0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries.
1: Yeah, so we talked about... How we came up with, uh, just looking at the numbers, we lost 7.1 million uh, people in our baptism number who were baptized, but d- didn't attend the weekly gathering at the church. Right. Here's what I want to tell you, Chris. I left you hanging last week. I was wondering, you said, I'm going to
0: tell you this lead measure to solve this problem. <laughs> and then I be- it's been a week. You've been thinking I get, about it. I, I'm uh, wondering, what would have happened in that week? What could I have done in, to impact people in that week? I'm just kidding. I already knew the answer. You already, knew the answer, already knew the
1: answer. Here's the thing, because you're on the team. But here's was, the thing. <laughs> I'm going to give you a book, a resource, that has really been the game changer personally for me. Okay. Uh, just in leadership and personal life, but it's also uh, been helpful in leading staff and church and ministry. But, but I'm also going to give you the number one, we think, lead measure that we can implement not only in a church, in our denomination, but in our personal life. Okay. okay so. We gathered together after four uh, four or five meetings over two years with our disciple making task force right and we wanted to have something tangible not just a worksheet or a white page or something we can say hey here's what we found we wanted people to be able to do something right right uh, you, you you have faith prove it to me show me your works right so <laughs> that's right <laughs> I heard that before from James right but here's the thing We wanted to find out what could we do personally. So we looked at a study from Lifeway. It was the largest discipleship study ever done by any organization. Ten ten years worth of research. Uh, We had access to this because Eric Geiger was on our team. And so we went ahead and looked at the research. They found out four things about this discipleship study I want to share with you. Okay. Okay, Here are the four things. And all of them are, are very important. Number one, they found out that groups matter a lot. So what they found out was, yes, you can learn and grow in the larger gathering, the Sunday morning gathering, Sunday night worship, Wednesday night worship. But when you get in a smaller gathering, the growth is exponential in comparison to that larger gathering. Okay, so we need both, not either or both. At Replicate, we teach this pathway, right? We move people from the worship to the life group to the D group. We change the world. Second thing they found out was this. That Bible engagement, are you ready for this, was the number one spiritual discipline that is head and shoulders above every other spiritual discipline in the Christian life.
0: So you're saying Bible engagement is the answer, the cliffhanger from last, last yes, podcast. Yes, th- you found it. The number one lead measure for spiritual growth, spiritual maturity, taking care of that 7 million issue Bible engagement.
1: Listen, I'm not saying that. The researchers <laughs> are saying That's that. That's right. Okay. So you're I saying mean, it and the researchers. I've been saying, saying it. it for years, but it's nice to have data. That's right. Okay? Data that backs it. Now 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 listen, Chris, you know as well as I do. Bible engagement is not Bible reading. That's right. It's not even just Bible learning. It's not even just Bible study.
0: There is Bible reading in it. There is Bible study in it.
1: Yes. But it's more than that. It's more than that. So let me define Bible engagement. Bible engagement is allowing the word of God to direct your life in the direction of the word to, di- to direct the direction of your life. And so it's not just hearing the words, right. but it's obeying the word that you hear. Hello. The, yeah. This is why we encourage people when they read the Bible, don't just read the Bible for the sake of reading the Bible. Do a Hear Journal entry. Have we done an episode on the Hear Journal? We have. We have. Yes. So there you go. So (laughs) I forgot. There were so many episodes. I forgot we did. But the Hear Journal is what's important. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. And so you're responding to what you you read. So it's not just reading, not just studying the Bible. So here's what they found. It is superior to every other spiritual discipline. So if you're an investing man or woman, which all of us are, we invest our time, we invest our talents, we don't want to invest in a a thing that we don't have a return on our investment. If you're an investing individual, reading the Bible and engaging the Bible is superior to every other discipline, meaning scripture uh, journaling or scripture uh, memorization, which that's important, or fasting or silence, or solitude, or evangelism, or prayer. worship, or right. prayer. I mean, it's it's superior to all of them. But here's number three, which is equally important. People who read the Bible and engage the Bible, they are seeing them engage in every other spiritual discipline in the Christian life. So watch this. People who engage the Bible pray more. People who engage the Bible share the word more with other people. People who engage the Bible are in silence and solitude more. People who engage the Bible fast more. People who engage the Bible go on more mission trips. People who engage the Bible serve more. People who engage in the Bible volunteer more. You ready for this one? People who engage in the Bible or with the Bible are more evangelistic in their faith. Because here's what happens, Chris. I believe, and you, and you, and I think you share this with me, the reason we're not seeing evangelism in the church today is because most of the people, most of you listening, and most of the people in our churches are drawing from an empty well. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? I do. And I think
0: one of the keys here, and this is, I think it's kind of surprising because we've gotten this research recently. But you've started this process uh, in terms of how you look at discipleship groups. We look at the life of Christ, how he, he obviously emulated that for us and how we kind of miss the boat. And we're coming back around some, some churches, some pastors, some leaders, some believers are like, OK, now I'm getting it again. The beauty is we're seeing that it's in that context that these kinds of things happen. Where are you held accountable To reading the word? Where are you held accountable to living out what you're reading? Where are you held accountable to memorizing the word? So the beauty of the discipleship group, I believe, is that it is a catalyst, it is a perfect
1: environment, if you will, for Bible engagement to happen. Yeah, well, is this a great point. This is not going to happen long term systematically uh, over the long haul without being in a discipleship group. This is why we are so adamant about getting people in these small discipleship groups of three to five, three to six people, men with men, women with women for the purpose of accountability, intimacy, transparency, and reproducibility. And here's the thing. You'll have momentary lapses of reading and engaging the Bible, but you'll never do it long term. Pastor, listen to me. One of the reasons, if I could say this with a lot of respect, one of the reasons you're not reading the Bible daily, one of the, and I'm not talking about sermon prep, take out sermon prep. There's a difference between studying to preach and studying to feed your soul. And yes, I get there's a crossover there, but you need to have a regular time. I love what, uh, I love what, um, uh, I can't even think of his name. Uh, Blackaby. Henry Blackaby Henry. said that. I love this. I always
0: this. forget his name, too, by the way. That is a name that I never – Why do we never, forget Henry Blackaby? One of the best books I've read one outside of the best books, of the book. <laughs> And yet he I can never remember his name. <laughs> Great guy, though.
1: Henry Blackaby Henry. said this. This is so good. We need to have an unhurried time with the Lord. Hmm. Not just a time with the Lord. Right. Unhur- Boy, does that not convict you? Yeah, I, I'm
0: trying to swing in and get these verses knocked out before X time, you know, oh, before man. work starts, before the kids get up, whatever that deadline might be, man. versus uh, unhurried. Yeah, that is that's a tough
1: Unhurried time with the Lord, okay? So as we get into the word and we understand the word and we engage the word, it will flow into every other aspect in our life, okay? So we need to have that quiet time where we're hearing from God and applying the word. Here's the final thing they found in that study, number four. Discipleship and spiritual growth takes intentionality. Yes. Listen, you're not gonna develop and grow into the image of Christ by happenstance. Right.
0: You're not so going to accidentally fall into maturity.
1: You're not going to put your yeah. You, you're not going to put your Bible under your bed uh, pillow and, and grow uh, in, in maturity.
0: Osmosis doesn't yeah. Yeah.
1: Doesn't really work. That now way. I try that in college, right? <laughs> we used to sleep with the I don't somehow. Know I'm this. not surprised. Oh man, I used to put the textbook in the bed, thinking that that was going to help. But you actually had to open the book. <laughs> apparently, right? apparently. Well, and here's another thing. I mean, this is a convicting thought to think about. A lot of people say, I don't. God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't talk. I don't hear from God. You know, I, I I I don't I don't I don't have direction from God. Listen, right. you can't say you don't hear from God if you have a closed Bible by the bedside. Mm. <laughs> you can't. That's, that's a that's a great I point. mean, you can't you can't say I'm not hearing from God if you're not in the world. Here, here's what here's what I want you to understand. Recently, I, I was studying um, the Eastern culture of how the first century believers thought of worship. Okay, And I, I, I've, I've came to understand this, and this is really mind-blowing, and it's counterintuitive to what we think in the Western church. If I were to ask you this question, what is the highest form of worship? Okay. The highest form of Don't answer yet. Think about form it. Of worship. What is the highest form of worship? What would you say?
0: Mm, so I, I'm just thinking uh, just— you know, this is my answer, but just okay. the thing I'm, no the right or I'm thinking No right wrong answers here. Sacrifice feels like it, but then I think of the scripture, you know, sacrifice is not as good ob- as obedience. <laughs> so obedience okay. is is, uh, is the highest form of okay. worship. Uh, surrender is, is coming to mind. So my, Some people may think singing. So, <laughs> I've your, heard those people, if, and the answer is wrong. Okay. <laughs> Well, if you're kidding, yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. But yeah, singing, you know, yeah. uh, I think emotionally God. people are impacted by it too. So maybe that's. Some may say sensing the Holy
1: Ghost, feeling the Spirit giving. of God.
0: Uh, some might feel giving. Very few, I'm sure. But okay. some might feel okay. giving.
1: Okay. The <laughs> for for the, the first century culture that Jesus lived in, okay, and even beyond back further, the highest form of worship, you ready for this? Was the study of the Bible. Wow, was the study of the word that was the highest form because they realized even back then that studying the word would supersede every other practice a person can get involved in. Why? Because it has a trickle down effect. Hmm. This is why you study the you study the scripture so much and you see this over and over. Uh, I, I, I mean, think about Deuteronomy six four, Hero Israel, the greatest scripture. The pinnacle of all scriptures for the Eastern culture. Okay. Now, in the Eastern culture, they would look at the Bible a little differently uh, than we do. They they would say there are certain sections of Scripture that are weightier than others. Hmm. All Scripture, all breathed out by God. Okay, so the 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 culture back then would divide the same Bible we have into three sections. Okay, okay. they would have the Torah genesis exodus leviticus numbers deuteronomy okay okay then they would have the nevaim okay which is the hebrew word prophet and then they would have the ketuvim which is the hebrew word writing okay so you didn't know you were going to get hebrew i then. did not know that you weren't even prepared for this
0: i was not prepared at all i'm not i'm not taking notes right now what what's going on here okay is there a test after the well podcast? yeah hey,
1: listen that means nothing to you but you've heard this before probably the hebrew Bible's called the tanakh You've heard this. I have heard it. T-A-N-A-K. Well, the two A's are supplied. So think about it. Torah, Navim, Ketuvim, The Tanakh. Makes it easier. Right. Guy,
0: we've got an acronym. There you go. Now we're going back to the military training. You just give me an acronym, I can I can learn it all. Okay, what's a military acronym? Uh, there, there are a ton of military acronyms. Uh, give me acronym. one. I'm not sure I can give you one that's uh, appropriate okay, for the podcast. Okay, because you're in the Marines. Mar- that's,
1: that's the thing about a Marine. I can
0: give you one, and Marines... then I would have to kill you.
1: That's exactly <laughs> Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. Thank God we got you on the right side. But anyway, so, okay, so the Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. Here's why I'm sharing this. The, 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 the Nevi'im, the prophet, starts with Joshua, but then you have all the prophets, right? So you have Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. The Ketuvim starts uh, the, the writing. So you'll have the Psalms and Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, right? Right. If you ask the, the the Jewish first century follower of God, if you ask them, what is the, what is the the, the most weighty of all the three sections, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim. Guess what they say? I would say Torah. They would say the Torah. I would guess that. But That's I'm a sure. good guess. The Torah is the, is the, is the crescendo, the, the, the apex of all scripture for them, the, the, the weightiest. But out of the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you were to ask them, what is the weightiest of all those books? Guess what they say? Hmm, I would guess. Again, I'm guessing Exodus. Close. I would say Exodus too, just from first. my perspective. You know, thinking of the, the Exodus. First. No Exodus is good. It's not. It's not what they would say. What would they, they say? They would say Deuteronomy. Really? Yeah, they would say Deuteronomy. And out of Deuteronomy, okay, here's why. The De- no, <laughs> this is for people that are going to say, well, I can read Deuteronomy. The Cliff Notes version of the Torah is Deuteronomy. Uh, did okay. you know this? Wow, I it's did a not. summation of the, right. all from yeah. Exodus on. Now, out of Deuteronomy, there is one verse one chapter in Deuteronomy that is the apex or the weightiest scripture of all scriptures
0: according to this group of individuals here and i'll prove it to you in a second
1: <laughs> i'm going to you. you're not buying it but i'm going to prove it to you i'm kind of buying it i'm you're just trying, trying to be careful okay, i'm trying to Okay let me prove it to you why do i think and and we can prove it from the life of Jesus why is Deuteronomy the pinnacle or the weightiest scripture of all scripture of the old testament Guess what book Jesus quoted from more than any other book in the Old Testament? I feel as if you provided the answer. It's Deuteronomy. De- <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, boy, you're <laughs> tracking this in the today. You're tracking, But I here's my the thing. It's I've Deuteronomy. My okay? Yes. And out of Deuteronomy, there is one scripture that is the pinnacle. It's no accident when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? Mm. Feel the weight of this. No point intended. <laughs> <laughs> Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The heart, hearts, uh, all your heart, and all your soul, and all your strength, right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's the deal. Is it heart, soul, and strength? I think it's. I believe it's heart, soul, and strength. I think in Mark, he adds mind, the mind. Some, there, yeah, mind he is mind in, mind in to Mark. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you a point about that. So all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, okay? Now, here's the deal. Why does he say heart in in, in there? Because you and I could think heart is what? Just kind of your passion, your, uh, your belief maybe? Well, but what is heart technically? It's a muscle. Oh, right, right. That's right. It's the Hebrew word love. Okay, it's a muscle. But Jesus did not, Jesus is talking to an Eastern culture they would have understood. In the, in the, in the Eastern world, the word heart is different than in the Western world today. Okay, so here's the, one of the greatest insights you can ever get in studying the New Testament. Whenever you see the word heart, you insert the word mind Ah, okay. Heart is mind. Gotcha. Okay, yes, it's the affections, yes, it's the desire, but it's the mind. Now think about this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. How do you love the Lord your God with all your mind? By the study of the word. Now Jesus explains this next. He says, Make sure you teach your children diligently all that I've commanded you. Hebrew uh Deuteronomy six. So he says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and teach our heart, soul, might, and diligently teach your children. Now let's go to the New Testament. Paul in, in uh, Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Mind. Who's he writing to? Um, who is he writing to? The Romans. The Romans are Westerners. So if he would have said study or or transformed by the renewing of your heart, they wouldn't have understood that. But he said, mind. Okay. now, the highest form of worship for the Jewish person back then was the study of the word, because they realize when the mind is focused on the word of God, the heart's affection, the desires will follow. Okay. here's one interesting quote I'll leave us with before we close. Hillel was a rabbi in the first century. He was the counterpart of another rabbi called Shammai. Shammai and Hillel were both around at the time of Jesus. This is kind of a backstory of the culture. So when, so when some of the rabbis would go ask Jesus questions about the resurrection, a woman's married multiple times, she loses her husband, whose husband is hers in the resurrection? That's a ruling of Hillel, Shammai. Okay? So they're asking questions. Hillel was one of the great rabbis back then. Here's what he said. I love this quote. He said, an ignorant man can never be pious. Hmm. (laughs) Now think about that. Wow. An ignorant man can never be pious. Why? Because what he's saying is, you know, or, or you respond, and you live holy because you first know. You have to know Christ. You have to know the word in order to live for the Lord. So the highest form of worship for them was studying the word. They would say, when you gather with other men together, you should be ashamed of yourself if you don't study the Word of God or study Torah together. So back to, our, back to our, our original question. How do we curb from losing 7.1 million people? I think, Chris, if we can get our people to get in the Word until the Word gets into them and we start learning the Word and living the Word and engaging the Word, the Word, watch this, does the work. Jesus promised the word is going to not pass away. Right. It's going to accomplish in the Old Testament everything God accomplishes to do. So what we did is we 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 started this movement called the 80 by 20 challenge. Right. It's, a, it's a movement that's happening at our convention. We hope it happens worldwide. You can go online 80 by 20, 80 by 20.org to get information. And we believe when people engage the Bible through weekly reading and studying and journaling, God's going to do the work. Why? Because we're going to get in the word until the word gets into us.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.